Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome in to Poke the Bear, episode 22, presented by our good friends over at betonline.ag. New sponsors of Poke the Bear. I'm Evan Marinovsky, alongside host Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how are we doing? I'm doing swell, Evan. Feeling very festive these days. Went through a week of watching, let's see, Die Hard, Muppet Christmas Carol, got all the shopping done. So I'm feeling pretty good. How you doing? Good. I've been, I ran a bunch of errands this morning, did a lot of Christmas shopping. I did a lot of my Christmas shopping, uh, last week. The bet, the, they're not a sponsor, obviously, because they're going out of business. I don't know if everywhere, but I know in Framingham, the Bed Bath and Beyond is going. Um, so everything there's 40 to 60% off. Uh, and so that was where I got, I, I knocked out so much shopping and Christmas shopping for my parents, for my sister, for some other family members. Um, so it was really nice to sort of just go there and, and get things that were normally like 60 bucks for like 30 and $40. There so you go. It was, smart move. It was nice. Head over there. I mean, they're, they, they need to sell everything. That's Head true. over there. Cause was, I, they're not where they all, where they put this stuff. They need to sell it. So head over there. I mean, I, I'm a, you know, it's funny. Typically I don't do a ton of online shopping for Christmas. I, I definitely did a lot of it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the the pandemic, but uh, yes, it is starting to feel more like Christmas. It's nice because it wasn't feeling like Christmas for a while. I know we're supposed to get our big snowstorm today, Thursday, yes. uh, so that is going to be uh, fun for people to uh, to digest. First big snow of the year. And have you noticed that all this has started since we first started talking about the fact that there was no snow on the ground? I think it was two weeks ago. And then we got a little dust in. Like, our, our Metro West got it more than, like, Boston did about two weeks ago. But now we're actually going to get our first – you want to call it a nor'easter? Pretty much is, right? If it's a foot of snow. Yeah, I, it is, right? I mean, it's, it's 12 inches. I know they said it's going to be light and fluffy snow. Uh, but uh, I do think that, you know – it is nor'easter. Imagine being a weatherman. They're kind of going out of style a little bit just because with the weather apps that people have and stuff. But mm-hmm. I feel like they got to be looking so forward to each snowstorm because it's like their time. It's sort of like when we get to cover the Stanley Cup. It's mm-hmm. like it's your time. It's your t- People are watching for you. It's like I mean, if you're a weatherman, like growing up, you want to be a weatherman. You're mm-hmm. like dreaming of working in like Louisiana to like report on a hurricane. Oh, like hurricane season. Yeah, or like in the Midwest for tornadoes. 
Well, like two weeks ago when they had that first storm, like all these different news stations were at all the bells and whistles. Like there was a dude, I swear to God, he was like driving in a tank through like Framingham. Like he was recording and it had like a GoPro mounted on the side of it to show like how like the streets were. But like they also had a camera on him and it looked like he was in like an armed personnel carrier. It was like this close to his face. It was like the Blair Witch Project as he's like talking about how like iced up the roads are. It's like I think these guys, these guys live for it. Oh, they live for it. And they also, like, local news, we've had this conversation before, local news is amazing. Um, But they also love to play stuff up. They love it. I mean, that is sort of like the basis of news these days is a lot of stuff gets played up. Uh, And weather is one of those areas where, and I've said, I said this to you before, where there'll be a guy who's like holding onto the street for dear life, you know, holding onto like a lamppost, try to stand in like 30 mile per hour winds. And there's just like a normal ass dude walking behind him, just like casually, you know, walking along, no problem. And, and who knows, maybe like uh, during the, the storm falling today, like they're going to talk to Johnny Boychuk, Andrew Ferentz, maybe someone, uh, a rogue Bruin on the street. You never know. Casper's so. Dogovins. Yeah, maybe, you know, he's, everyone actually knows, is well aware that Casper's Dogovins has settled down in Wellesley. So they may run into him over there. Are you serious? Funny if they actually, it'd be funny if they actually got a Ginla again. Are you serious like, about Dogovins? No, no, of oh, course I was not. Like, Fuck no. <laughs> I mean, maybe like, serious? if Casper's dog events tweets the pod tomorrow and it's like, no, you idiot. Like, no, and actually maybe he's from Wuben and it's like the Wellesley thing. That's what the NHL messed up when yes. they said Wagner was from, was from Wellesley. Maybe that's what it all is from, but they to my knowledge. Mixed up with Casper's dog events. Yeah. As, as one does. Right. But I, I'll go on the record. I don't believe let's have it for the record. I do not believe that Casper's dog events is, is settled down in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Maybe I was going to say, I was going to say, for some of those shots he nailed off the post in overtime in that 2013 Cup final, I would think he would not want to reside yes. back here in Boston. That'd be a smart um, move. Yes, that might be a smart move. But uh, no, you're right. It'd be hilarious if they got a Ginla on 128 again. That would be <laughs> just, peak just channel, uh, channel 8 or whatever channel they are, um, the Fox affiliate. Um, but yes, so uh, in this episode... We always like to talk about local news. We're not going to talk about it, unfortunately, for the whole show. Maybe we'll do a local news podcast at some point where we just discuss uh, funny shit from the local news. Uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, last or Tuesday night, uh, TSN basically, well, they did, they didn't basically, they did say that, you know, the Mike Hoffman sweepstakes, they did not expect to go this long and they expect him to end up with Boston. So obviously that's unfortunate for you saying you're going to have to watch uh, Hubie Halloween. Uh, if he comes to Boston, I might have to adjust that to go with the new holiday. Maybe like what's a really bad Christmas movie I, I have to watch instead. I said Fred Claus because I watched about five minutes of that on TV, and holy hell, that is some bootleg ass. I've never watching. seen that. I, I don't. Know. Please don't. Don't don't do it unless not- unless Mike Hoffman signs and we want to do a live stream together watching Fred Claus, which I'm fine with that. Painful, but it, it it's bad. But I have to find a really bad Christmas movie. A bad Christmas movie. It's funny. I'm not a huge movie guy. I haven't seen all these movies. I mean, I've seen Home Alone, obviously, Elf. I've seen, like, the normal ones, Rudolph. Maybe Jingle All the Way. Question Jingle All the Way. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. So, yeah, you got to find some bum-ass Christmas movie. I always say... Uh, I don't, for, this is going to be like, probably like five people listening are going to know what I'm talking about here, mm-hmm. but you should live stream yourself watching the movie rubber. Now I'm not sure if you know what rubber is. Do you know I, what rubber I, I is? I can't say I have Evan. I can't say it, I've, I've seen it. It is a movie that my friend and I came across when we were like in early high school 
and it is about a, a rubber tire that takes over a town. So the tire like pulls the movie had a budget of like 20 bucks, but like the, the tire will pull up to like a, uh, to like a person or an animal. And if they stare at it for too long, the animal start or person starts to vibrate and they explode. And everyone's afraid of this tire. Um, so people might understand what I'm talking about. I mean, this looks, I don't know about you, Evan, this actually looks pretty electric. You ask me. It, it does. No, it does. And the way it's filmed, uh, it's filmed out in like the desert. Um, but yeah, you should lie. If, if Mike Hoffman signs with the Bruins, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll live put that under consideration. It's yeah. like Rubber's, jingle all the way, jingle all the way, Fred Claus, and then rubber. Rubber. Rubber's a great movie. I told my friends about it because they never heard it. And we watched the first like 10 minutes. Everybody was dying laughing. So maybe it's more funny than it is epic. But at any rate, Hoffman to the Bruins. Now I have been a proponent of one, two, maximum three years for Hoffman if you do sign him. I know you're a one-year guy. I don't think you're past the one-year mark with him. Um, explain why. Because it has been a while since we've discussed Mike Hoffman on any podcast we do. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the issue with Hoffman is just, you know, he's a guy that I think on most teams he's guaranteed to get you 20, 25 goals. And listen, if he signs with the Bruins for a year at like $2.5 okay. You're like, yeah, of course. Like, if you got a guy who's going to bring that – um, you'd be you'd be dumb not to to take a contract like that. But is he? I think the problem is Bruins fans see that news from TSN that I think Bruins stats tweeted out on Tuesday night, and I think automatically the first thing you think of is like, oh, like he's going to be a thirty goal scorer. Krejci has his right wing. It's like I don't know, man. Like Hoffman's a guy who's very much a an empty calorie scorer. I think in terms of he gets a lot of his offense from the power play, which on this Bruins team, you know, who probably step into that first power play role to start the year if Pasternak and Martian are both out, but it's not like he's going to be a regular on that unit for the whole, the entire season. Plus you couple with the fact that he is dreadful defensively, like, like enough that when you look at his five on five numbers, an area where the Bruins need to improve on, like their biggest area, they don't really need an extra weapon on the power play. They already have a lot of talented guys up front there. What they need is a, a good five on five scorer and Hoffman gets his goals. Yeah. But he's also so bad down the other end of the ice that it doesn't really uh, push his stats forward in a way, right. Where his offense makes up for how bad he is defensively. So, Listen, if he's available for that cheap and the Bruins have about $2.9 million, um, then maybe you explore it. Again, I don't think he's signing for a million or something like that. You know, And if you sign Hoffman, probably means you're not re-signing Stan Ochara for a cheap deal, which you have to be cognizant of. Um, but I, was, I, I just don't know how realistic it would be in terms of you know when you weigh how much money other teams like Columbus or Nashville probably has in terms of uh, their cap room. I mean, those guys have about five plus million dollars. You would think that Mike Hoffman, it's like, all right, do I want to go to the Bruins where I'll probably play with Krejci, but also like I do have competition there, right? It's not like he's like penciled in. If Kasha plays well, if Craig Smith plays well, um, once Pasternak and Martian come back, it's not like it's like he's a lock. He should be, but He's also um, very similar to Jake DeBrusque in yeah. some senses. Yeah, it's like, do I sign there with Boston or maybe have a better chance of winning for a cheap deal, or do I go to Nashville, which is a good market, good place people want to go to. They need offense. They have cap room. Like, I, I just see him going there or a team like Columbus where they have a top six need that, like, my confidence, you give him a three-year, you know, $4 million, $5 million a year and pencil him in there and 
he's your top six guy. I just don't know if that really factors into what, um, what exactly the, the Bruins are looking for there um, in terms of just matching the price plus the need. Like, I just don't see it working out. See, the Nashville and Columbus options to me seem like the more obvious ones. I don't look at the Bruins and think that there's an obvious fit. You know, they, they don't really have the cap room. I mean, they might in this market just because the cap room isn't, I mean, I mean, the money people are getting is not amazing. Um, but to me, it makes more sense for him to go to Nashville. It makes more sense for him to go to Columbus. Um, obviously, the, the best shot at winnings here. But, well, I mean, you're going to get less money. As you said, you're going to be co- uh, competing for a second-line spot. Um, on, that, on that first unit, I mean, let's just look at the first power play unit alone. You're not taking off Bergeron or Marshawn or Pasternak. Mm-hmm. You're not putting Hoffman at the point. So are you going to put him in front of the net? Like, does Hoffman now want to become what Jake DeBrusque has been at times for that first power play unit where you're retrieving pucks and you know, you're, you're going to the dirty areas. Hoffman does not strike me as a guy who's big on the dirty areas. If I, if I, granted, I have not watched tons of film on Hoffman. I'm not someone yeah. who sat there and, and sifted through his huddle highlights. Uh, but I mean, he's got a good shot. He's got a great release. There's no doubting that. But again, that, I don't know if that's, you know, you, you probably rail against me if you want to saying, I don't know if the Bruins want a guy who's probably a lock for 20 goals. Like no shit. Of course, any team would take that, but I don't know if he's exactly what the fit is of what you need. Like when they sign Craig Smith, he's a 20 goal scorer and his five on five metrics are crazy. That one makes a lot of sense in terms of what they needed. I don't know if adding another guy who, you know, maybe puts your offense a little bit better, but he doesn't really move the needle in terms of five and five offense based on how bad his defensive metrics are. I don't know if it's worth what the hassle is of, you know, trying to make the, this cap gymnastics work, right? Like, again, if Mike Hoffman in a couple of days signs a deal for a one-year, $1 million, then fine. I have no problem with signing a guy with that offensive capabilities for that cheap. But if it's, you know, he's signing for three and you have to then be stuck in a spot where you have to dump money or you have to find someone to take John Moore's contract, which I don't think is possible in this flat cap era like are you trading Anders Bjork just to get that or for for nothing or um and again they they have some ways they can maybe um move some cap around like if uh, David Pasternak's not going to be playing for the first month of the year maybe he goes on long-term IR and you have some of that extra cap freed up but again once Pasternak comes back and you're over the limit you have to free up that money so um again and also as, as I said before you're probably saying goodbye to any chance of Chara coming back if you get a Hoffman, which uh, I'm sure as far as I'm Bruins fans, you think they need more offense rather than having Chara back. But I think if Chara is willing to come back on a million-dollar contract and shores up kind of the end of that uh, decor, I, I'd rather take that over trying to create yourself, you know, creating a, a cap headache for yourself with getting a guy like Hoffman. I mean, I just look at it from the sense of, with especially with the cap, I mean, on the Bruins, you have guys – with 20 goal potential who are left shot wingers. I mean, you have Bjork, you have Jake DeBrusque. I mean, he's not potentially does get 20 goals a season, but he's obviously already in the top six. You, know, you have Craig Smith who has 20 goal potential. Um, Jack Stadnika at some point is going to have 20 goal potential, whether it's this year or, the, or, or next year, just kind of his whole career in general. Um, dare I say even Nick Ritchie could be 20 goal potential at some point. You don't know. So do you want to, Obviously, Hoffman's more definitive 20 goals. I mean, no one's saying otherwise. Yeah. But do you want to give up that money to get someone who's just a little bit more of a sure bet but less uh, good in the defensive zone? 
I mean, again, if it's a year deal, if you can do a year, and for me, if you want to do two, if you want to do two for you know around two million per, two point three million per, go for it. Mm-hmm. Use the long term IR. Try to free up the money at the beginning of the season. Um, but it's not one of those moves where I'm like, oh, the Bruins have to do it. They they yeah. gotta do this. How can they not do this? Um, so to me, it just seems like this is um, maybe not a sure bet for the Bruins. But if they want to do make, if they do want to make a sure bet, um, tell the listeners about Bet Online and why that is a sure bet. Absolutely. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. NFL and college football playoffs are just around the corner. The NBA will be back in full swing next week, and fingers crossed, you could have some NHL hockey back on your TV screens, laptops, tablets, you name it, by next month. Even though you may not be at a game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to Bet Online and enter promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's a lot of cash, people. No one beats that. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50, that's C-L-N-S-50, one word, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Can't beat that. Bet online's very fun. I turned my friends on to bet online actually. Oh yeah. They're, they're big fans of it. So they're all uh they like to bet on games and bet on different things and they love it. So bet online's a great place and this podcast will obviously be sponsored uh by them for uh hopefully ever. Um so uh let's get into a little bit uh something a little bit different. You re- recently wrote something for BSJ, I think Wednesday, um on projecting what the roster would look like for the Bruins, who would get kind of the last few spots, who'd be on the taxi squad. Uh, I'll let you kind of take away with this list because I know you have it right in front of you. Cool, yeah. We'll run through the list. And again, for people who don't really know what the parameters are talking about, uh, they're expecting the rosters. We're probably going to jump up to around 26 active players along with they're thinking about four taxi squad players. So we're looking at, for those four players, it's going to be guys who are primarily going to be in Providence, but they're going to be kind of ready at a moment's notice to get called up because you have to imagine this year before we have the vaccines rolled out, you could go one game having a full healthy squad and all of a sudden there's a, either an outbreak would be the worst case scenario or just you know a, a false positive or an inconclusive test and all of a sudden four guys are already your lineup, right? So uh, they need to have some guys ready to get called up when needed. So um, it makes for an interesting decision from the Bruins in terms of how they want to uh, determine where guys slot into the lineup. So I'll roll through who I have, and I think we can maybe discuss guys you think maybe should be up on the active roster, who's on the taxi squad. But so uh, for forwards, all right. I'm going to be pretty bold here to start off. You ready, Evan? Oh, God, I, I, I'm not ready. Okay. Patrice Bergeron. No, yeah. are you kidding? Are you serious? Yeah, I, I did it. I had to do it to him. I had to Dude, do it to that's him. That's way too hot of a take. I know. Way too hot of a well, take. Well, wait to wait to hear this one. Ready? This one actually might actually be kind of 
Brad Moshand, who I think, Dude. who I think maybe Stutzier and I are, but if we're looking at mid-January, I think it's going to be close enough that I'm going to count him for now. I'm that not counting blasphemous. I'm not counting David Pasternak though. I think David Pasternak is going to be on IR to Sathier, which opens up another roster spot for another younger guy to come through. But that's the oh, top beautiful. line. So okay, that's, um, okay, uh, it's hot take, but I guess I can I can live with it. So Anders Bjork makes sense, right? Yep. No, no issue there. Jake DeBrusque, Andre Kasha, David Krejci, I know. Um, Carson Kuhlman could be a kind of a fringe guy, but I imagine if they have a lot of those active, you know, an extra active spot, he's a guy who kind of had a little bit of a lost year last year, but should fit into that role. I think he's much more of a bottom six guy. I don't think he's David Krejci's right wing as he was during the playoffs. Can we end that conversation finally yes, every I, year I, that is said. I, I would hope so, but Kuhlman's at least a guy that north-south seems like he could be a pretty solid fourth liner if they had a spot open there, which seems like there's going to be a log jam down there anyway this year. But so Kuh- Kuhlman makes the cut. Corrali, obviously. Paul Lindholm, who probably is the next guy up, I imagine, in terms of taking up the spot after Joakim Nordstrom signed with Calgary. Um Greg McKegg. I'm putting Greg McKegg yes. on the active Which, I mean, they signed, I, I, I tweeted, uh, something about Greg McKegg a few days ago and someone tweeted back, like, who is Greg McKegg? And I was I like, I saw that. T- I saw that. Let me tell you of, of Greg McKegg, who, even if Greg McKegg scores no goals and has two assists over like 45 games, I still think it's going to be, uh, well received by the Boston fans. Um, yes, I would agree. So Nick Ritchie makes the cut. Again, I don't really know where Nick Ritchie plays, but I think he's making the, the cut for the forwards. Uh, Craig Smith, obviously. I have Jackson Nika making the active roster. Again, where he fits in on this group remains to be seen. Uh, Chris Wagner. And then my other active guy I have is Zach Seneshin, who I'm mostly putting based on the fact that uh, I think if he gets sent down to Providence after camp, he has to get exposed to waivers. So I imagine what the Bruins thinking is, is that for a guy like him, all right, again, we don't really know where you're fitting the lineup, but we need to see what you have up at the NHL level because this is probably going to be one of his last chances to prove it. And it's kind of a, a rough shake for Seneshin because he actually played pretty well last year when he was with Coyle. It was that, that stretch in November, I think, where he actually looked pretty solid there. Then he got hurt. And it's kind of that's the last you start him up at the NHL level. But I think Seneshin's a guy who makes that cut there. So those are my 16 forwards. Um, goalies, shocking. I got two. Are you ready for this? Uh, no. You're not? Okay, I'll go to I'm defense. Not. Then. Okay. Go to defense. <laughs> All right, defense. Uh, I got eight guys. Uh, I got Brennan Callow, Connor Clifton, Jeremy Lozon, Grizzlick, McAvoy, Kevin Miller, who – Says that he's ready to go, so I think that's a guy you could be worried about maybe starting on IR, but he says he's good I to saw go. someone someone replied to Fluto's tweet about that and was like, when's this scheduled injury going to take place? Yeah, so like, oh, I mean, he, he seems ready to roll again. We don't know where exactly, whether he's a, a depth guy at this point based on his injuries or if they expect him to be a, a third-pairing kind of regular. But So I have him making the active roster right now. John Moore, and then I have Jacob Zaboral, who I imagine is going to be kind of in that same boat as Seneshin, where, um, you know, he's going to be have to be exposed to waivers if he gets sent down to Providence. So I think Boston wants to see what they have in the guy um, before maybe turning to, you know, a um, a Vakaninen or someone else like that. So that's my defense. Goalies, 
Zane McIntyre and Hanu Toivonen. I mean, how did you, did you read this already? Or I I, I did actually because okay. my subscription to BSJ, but but I but I also agree that was my those are my two. Yeah, actually, uh, I'll be honest. I, you might have been reading something differently then because I actually have Yaroslav Halak and Tuka Rask. Bold, I know. I'm sure there's some Bruins fans who are pissed that I even mentioned Tuka Rask, but he's your number one goalie, guys. He's coming off of a remember Tuka? potential Vezina. Yeah. Uh, and then for my taxi squad, uh, the four players I have, I got Anton Bleed, who I think would have to be exposed to waivers, so you kind of run the risk there if he's not making the active roster. But Bleed's a guy who was one of the last cuts um, before the Bruins went up to the Toronto bubble. Kind of fits that same mold as a you know a fourth-line guy who can get called in when needed. They could also look for you know a guy like Paul Carey or Cameron Hughes or one of these other guys because it seems like the Bruins have quite a lot of fourth line potential guys, right? Like they've got Kuhlman and McKegg and all these other players that would kind of fit into that role. So it makes me seen who that forward actually is down from Providence. Um, I think Trent Frederick's the other uh, forward I have on the taxi squad. I think he's a guy that I think Bruins fans are excited to see what they have in him. I, it could be a situation where, where by the end of the regular season, he's kind of a fourth line regular with the Bruins. Um, but I think, uh, a guy like him needs to round out his offensive game in order to be an actual regular here. Like he can't go what he's shown so far up in the NHL level where physical guy more than willing to drop the gloves, but he also, I think has zero points in 17 games. Like you need him to not be a net negative on offense. So if Frederick is down in Providence playing top six minutes, working on his game uh, and can get called up when needed, I think that's the best for both the player and the organization in terms of getting his development along. Um, my lone defenseman on the taxi squad is Bakaninen, who I think you could switch him into Boral if you want to. I think a lot of it's going to come down to how they both look in training camp. But I think with the the waiver situation with Zaboral, I imagine he gets the first dibs there. But Bakaninen, who's kind of been, you could probably say his development's maybe stagnated a little bit over the last couple of years. He's average. Yeah, I think this is going to be a big year for him to at least you know get himself back in that spot, especially where you're seeing other maybe younger prospects like a Jack Sean or someone trying to make a push this year or next. Um, this is going to be a big year for Vakanan to get back on that kind of trajectory. Cause I mean, this is, if there was ever a year where the Bruins need stability in that, that decor, this is probably what they expected two, three years ago where Vakanan was going to step in pretty seamlessly and just, you know, fill out that role. And he really hasn't hit that level uh, yet so far. So it's going to be a big year for him. And then my lone goalie on the Texas squad I have is Vladar who, um, I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of, I think you want him down in Providence for most of the year, him battling with Jeremy Swimman for starting minutes down there, but also if needed, you can bring him up to, uh, to Boston as kind of an extra, extra goalie there. Hopefully he's gotten over the fact that the team let him out to dry against Tampa Bay in that one game. But I think those are my four taxi squad players. Um, and, uh, again, this is all subject to change it it's not determined on how many tech squad guys are going to be available, whether the roster expands beyond that, but that's what I've got so far. Um, there, any- there were no, there were no, to me, there was no egregious leave offs. I don't, I, I don't think there was anyone in that group that I thought didn't deserve to be there. Um, yeah. you're 16 forwards though. When Poshnar comes back, one of those has to get bumped. Correct. Yeah. So, um, and that, I mean, that could be, like Seneshin, if he's not, the problem is like they need to see what Seneshin has, but I don't like, it's one thing to list this roster and, you know, determine the, the 26 active players, but it's another thing to find out where the lineup is. 
Because I have no idea. <laughs> like, it, you look at this group, and especially with potential of, you know, Pasternak being out, that makes things a bit easier, of, you know, squeezing more guys in. But, you know, how does that, especially that, like, bottom six look? Like, the only, like, guy I think is surefire is, like, Corrali on the fourth line. You'd imagine Wagner would have that right wing, but... On third yeah, and Coyle, yeah. But other than that, you know, you'd imagine guys like Bjork would slide in there, but other than that... Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, to me, like, it's funny. When you were talking, I listed out just line combos. And when it comes to the fourth line, I mean, obviously Corrali's on it. But, you know, I mean, do you want him at center or do you want Parlindholm at center? Who I mean, Parlindholm, the thing is, like... To me, Corrali has that dynamic ability to, to really change a hockey game. Lindholm doesn't have that. You know, Lindholm's a solid, you're very average, you know, 74, 75 overall if we're going to go off video game ratings. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's, there's not a lot of upside to him, but he's fine. He's not, he's, he's just, he's, a, he's like your average reliever that comes in in like the sixth or seventh inning in a baseball game. He's not the most special guy. Corrali is. He's, Cur- he's, Cur- he's Curtis Lascanic on the 04. He's Curtis Lascanic. He's Burke Badenhop in a sense. <laughs> um, but when, when you have a guy like Corrali who scores big goals and can really make an impact on a game, make some big hits as well, like to me, I think you want him at center. I've always, I've always been a fan of Corrali at center. I don't know why this is a huge push to keep him on the wing. I think he's good when you kind of just let him go free around the ice. Um, so to me, I think he's the, the fourth-line center. Then you have to figure out what your, who your wingers are, are going to be um, on both sides. To me, now granted, when, it op- when the season opens, Pasternak will not be on that top line probably neither will Marshawn. So we won't really see what the lineup will look like off the start. But if I had to guess, mm-hmm. if the season started tomorrow and Marshawn and Poshnok were completely healthy and they were the first line right, left wing and right wing, mm-hmm. I would guess that the third line would look something like Bjork, Coyle, Craig Smith. Yeah, There's a little part of me, saying. there's a small part of me that thinks that they really want to use Nick Ritchie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so are they going to use Ritchie there? Uh, next to Krejci, are they going to start Stadnika or are they going to put Kasha? Yeah. Or are they going to put Richie? Uh, you know, on the left side, of maybe the fourth line. That's or does, where or Richie or does Rich, Yeah, or does Richie go on the fourth line too? Because, I mean, I think it, one thing that's kind of been lost in the shuffle, because there's a lot of different question marks and flaws you can point out with this Bruins team. And, you know, you look at the defense, you look at do they do enough to get 5-5 five and five scoring going. But I think one thing they really have to shore up is getting a defined – effective fourth line because that fourth line was so good in 2018-19 and then last year they really kind of tilled off quite a bit I mean Nordstrom was hurt for most of the year but I think you could probably make the case that Corrali and Wagner were pretty underwhelming last year for the most part and I think you saw just how effective the whole rest of the team kind of gels when that fourth line is really rolling and you saw that in spurts in a couple of games where they had you know big assignments um you know they usually do well against uh uh, the Capitals quite a bit. They had a really big game, I think, against Ovechkin's line. Um, and you you, you re- remember those games because they really just, you know, they make their presence felt and it really impacts the whole rest of the team. It allows Bergeron line to get easier assignments. Um, so I think that's going to be a key for this team is finding that set group and whether that's, you know, maybe you put down Richie there because you think he, again, adds maybe more scoring punch beyond what a regular kind of fourth-line guy brings with his size. Is it uh, is Coolman a guy who maybe is better down there as uh, a quick guy to put on the four check? Like, you know, is Chris Wagner guaranteed that spot? I mean, they signed him to a three-year deal, but if Coolman's doing well down there, if Trent Frederick's ripping up the AHL and knocking guys out, like, is, is he getting a look up there? So it's going to be interesting competition to see just how that fits. Because beyond Corrali, I don't know if there's any 
locked in guys on that fourth line. So this is one thing, and I think this is something that at the time we didn't really discuss in depth. Now I have to look up what Wagner's making per year. I know it's a three-year deal, but what was his AAV? I, I'm blanking for some reason. Uh, over a million. So it is. Yeah. So he signed a three-year, four point oh five million dollar deal. So a little over a million. One point three five. I. Oh, it's one point three five. Is that the official number? Yeah. Okay. So. I, it's tough to to say that a deal is not good or 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 the money's wasted, especially when it's one point three five million. But when you look at how tight they are against the cap, mm-hmm. and granted, Wagner's a hometown kid. Up until the deal, he'd prove that he was worth that amount of money. But with the amount of fourth liners you have, with the amount of potential fourth liners you have, is that are we going to look back at the Wagner deal and think was that really necessary? Mm-hmm. Just given the amount of Kuhlman, Anton Bleed, Nick Ritchie, um, Sean Corrali, Par Lindholm. I mean, you have so many guys you can put down there. Mm-hmm. Did you re- now, granted, you can do the same thing with Nick Ritchie, and we've done that. But I'm just saying no one ever criticizes the Wagner money. Mm-hmm. Is it – I mean, is there a legitimate criticism there, or do we think that, you know, Wagner's going to have a good year this year, score, you know, 11 goals and solidify his spot? Yeah, I think it all depends on what you see from this year. I think you saw the good and the – I wouldn't even say Wagner was – bad last year but I think he wasn't at the level he was his first year where I mean he wins the seventh player award uh was a you know a pleasant surprise the entire year um I think it all just depends on what production he puts forward this year and I think again it's a thing we talk about every single year when the Bruins season starts in terms of internal competition he's going to be feeling it this year right in terms of the amount of guys on the roster, guys down in Providence like Frederick who are going to be looking to, you know, make a name for themselves. So even though he has a three-year deal and the security that probably comes with it, it's not by any stretch a guarantee that he's going to be the, uh, you know, a starting guy. He could be the the spear forward if, if we get to that point. Um, if guys like Richie or Kuhlman or Frederick outplay him, I mean, I don't think it's a guarantee at all that he's kind of locked up that right-wing spot. Exactly. And I also think the other thing is just to, to mention kind of the, the locks in this lineup. Obviously, when fully healthy, Marshawn Bergeron, Pasternak, Krejci, DeBrusque, you can lock all those guys in. Coyle is the third line center you can completely lock in. Yeah. Smith. Um, and so that was I'd, my other one. Craig Smith is a lock. Um, I would, I would somewhere, put Craig Smith as a lock. Somewhere in the lineup, whether it's the second or third line, Smith is a lock. You pay a lot of money for him. Uh, you, you know, you gave him a three year deal. Uh, he has the potential. He's very good, obviously. To me, he's a complete lock in this lineup. Other than that, so so that is two. That's well, that's three spots on the fourth line, and then the right and left. Well, let's say we'll say the left side of Coil and the right side of Krejci. Those are the open spots. Now <laughs> that leaves a lot of guys open: Kasha, Richie, Corrali, Lindholm, Wagner, Kuhlman. I mean, Seneshin. You can go down the list. All these guys, I'm probably forgetting some. Stadnika as well. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people vying for these just a few spots, especially up in the top, uh, up in the starting 12. So, to me, um, I do think that there's going to be a lot of uh, obviously competition this year. They love the internal competition. They've been saying Every it year. forever, and they find they get a lot of it this year. So uh, that is sort of the uh, the lineup segment uh, on today's poke the bear. Before we go though, the hubs. The potential NHL hubs, if they decide to do it, were announced. Edmonton, Toronto, Columbus, Newark, Vegas. The only site in there that kind of excites me is Vegas. Imagine having to go to Newark or Columbus for 
for extended I mean, may- periods of time. Maybe this is the the thinking though, is that if it's a short term hub, you want the players to want to stay in their hotels. Like, hey, you can experience sunny Newark in the middle of the winter, or or just stay inside, which is what they want. So maybe it's actually a genius decision from them. I don't know about Vegas. I mean, Vegas seems pretty tempting. But Vegas other is a than tough that, one. I mean, that's a nice. That, that, I'd love to go there. I'd love to be in a, any bubble in Vegas for an extended <laughs> period of time. But Newark, yikes! No, not Newark great. or Columbus, Columbus. Even though I think Columbus oh. has a nice facility, but I don't think I don't think you're gonna you don't you don't print the brochures with Columbus on the front page, right? I don't, I don't think it really has that appeal. You do not. But hopefully they don't have to go to hubs. I'm hoping they can just yes. find a way. Because it's funny, what's hurting them right now is just the money aspect. Finding a, a deal when it comes to the money uh, of the league rather than sort of the safety. Usually you think in this situation it would be the safety and finding a safe way to get all players to play and not get sick. But really, that's not really the big issue here. Because the NBA is going on no problem. The NBA has already started preseason games. Yep. Um, so at any rate, that has been Poke the Bear. Episode 22 presented by Ben Online. Uh, Connor, before I let you go, is there anything the BSJ listeners can look out for? Yeah, we're going to have a full breakdown on all this Mike Hoffman news. I do what I can to will myself to not watch Fred Claus in the coming weeks. Um, so we'll have a breakdown on that. We're going to start taking a look at uh, potential issues on the roster, stuff you can maybe look forward to in terms of training camp, the battles that um, are going to be kind of at the forefront over that kind of short two-week span whenever it does start. So we'll have all that over at BSHA. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. And before you go, and this is probably mentioning this way too late, subscribe to the Bruins Rinkside channel as well. Um, but anyways, do that. Uh, and for stealing the speed, I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. We will see you next time on Poke the Bear. <laughs>